Content not suitable for all ages. Listener discretion advised. episode of Cryptic Portal. I'm your host Mike, and tonight we will be taking you through some true tales of terror. We want to start this episode off by taking a moment to say thank you to everyone who has been listening to us over the past several episodes. Your support means so much as we are very grateful. Who are the real men in black? Depending on whom you ask, the men in black are either another nutty UFO conspiracy or they are part of a secret government agency designed to prevent the public from learning more about UFOs. The men in black always appear unannounced, are usually clad in black business suits, and warn people to give up their research into UFOs or face dire consequences. In many cases, the men in black have seen aliens. In some cases, they are aliens themselves or some form of demonic supernaturals. But why would the government want to suppress information about UFOs? As the theory goes, it's because aliens are closer to us than you think. They might actually be everywhere. And if ordinary citizens realized just how real the threat was, there would be a mass panic and breakdown of the social order. Perhaps the strangest of all Men in Black encounters took place in the seaside town of Scarborough, North Yorkshire in 1968. Adele, who was 16 at the time, answered the door to what appeared to be a very strange insurance salesman. He was tall, wore a black suit and tie, and had a florid complexion. After staring at the 16-year-old and smiling for an unnerving length of time, he jerked into action and asked Adele, Do you have insurance? Is it now? Adele later remarked that his voice seemed to be computerized. She suggested that the insurance salesman come back at a later time when her parents would be home. At that moment, the man suddenly began to sweat profusely. He removed his hat to reveal a bald and extremely pale head. Adele could now see that he was wearing makeup to darken his face. Can I see a glass of water? The men in black asked. Inviting the man in because this was before stranger danger, Adele fetched him a glass of water and he did just that. He looked at the glass of water and simply set it aside. Next, he turned his attention to a clock on the mantelpiece. Adele told the man that the clock was her father's retirement present, at which he seemed completely baffled. Is it your father's time? he asked. Is it here and now? Then the man seemed to freak out like a malfunctioning robot. He began repeating, Your father, his time. Your father, his time. Over and over. And became stiff and immobile. 
Turning to the door, he had to use his hands to move one of his legs. He told Adele to watch the lights before leaving in a hurry, disappearing down the road impossibly quickly. What did he mean when he said, watch the lights? Adele would soon find out. Shortly after the man left, Adele's living room filled with small, bright lights, which danced around before exiting through the window. Dr. Herbert Hopkins was working as a consultant on a UFO case in Maine. One evening, he received a phone call from someone purporting to be an activist in the UFO community, asking him if he could visit Hopkins to discuss the case. Only minutes later, the man arrived. The man was wearing a black suit and black tie, and had very unusual facial appearances, with no hair or eyebrows, and an extremely pale figure. Hopkins' dog began barking erratically the minute the man entered the room. After the bizarre visitor was finished questioning him about the UFO case, the visit got even stranger. Here's how it went, according to the website, the night sky. The man in black informed Hopkins that there were two coins in Hopkins' pocket, which was correct, and asked him to remove one. Hopkins complied and held the coin, a shiny new penny in the palm of his hand. The MIB told Hopkins to watch the coin closely. After a few minutes, the coin took on a silvery appearance and then appeared to be going out of focus. It then began to fade and eventually disappeared altogether. The MIB informed Hopkins that the coin would never be on this plane again. He then inquired as to whether Hopkins was familiar with alleged UFO abductee Barney Hill. Hopkins replied that he had heard of Hill, but was under the impression that he had died in the not-too-distant past. The MIB informed Hopkins that that was correct. Barney didn't have a heart, said the MIB, just like you no longer have a coin. It should be noted that Barney Hill actually died of a cerebral hemorrhage. The MIB then gently suggested that Hopkins destroy any material he had related to the UFO case. Hopkins was extremely shaken by the encounter. He followed the advice of the man and burned all the files he had related to the case. While he had repeated phone troubles after, the phone company said his line had been tampered with. He never saw the man again. Paul Miller was returning home after a hunting trip when they saw a luminous disc in the sky. The disc landed in an empty field and two humanoids emerged from the craft. Miller fired his gun at them and believed to have injured one when he fled down the rural road in his car. However, in that moment he realized he had lost time. It was almost three hours later than when he first encountered the craft. He shrugged it off and went back to his Air Force job the next day. However, upon entering work, he was immediately confronted by three men in black suits. They told him that they had a file. Despite having told no one about the event, the men said they knew all about it and mentioned that the encounter would best be forgotten. They wanted to know everything about me, where I worked, my name, everything else, Miller said. 
They also asked questions about his experiences as if they already knew the answers. Miller, completely terrified, did not come forward about this experience until years later. Dr. Albert K. Bender was a well-written and extremely intelligent researcher who founded the International Flying Saucer Bureau. In 1955, his research was about to yield serious fruit as he prepared to unveil a paper that would prove the U.S. government had to one degree or another covered up proof of UFOs. He planned to publish his findings in the Space Review that was until he was visited by the men in black. Bender claims that three men dressed in all black visited him at his home and warned him against pursuing the topic of UFOs any further. The men left Bender scared for his life and he immediately shut down all his research in the Flying Saucer Bureau. Many people who knew him claim that Bender was a changed man after this encounter. His later works were rambly almost unreadable, and he seemed to live his life in constant anxiety and terror. He purported to still receive mysterious phone calls with nobody on the other end, until the end of his life in 2002. Danny Gordon was a radio personality who became interested in a flurry of Wythe County UFO sightings. Multiple people across the county claimed to have seen bizarre objects in the sky and Gordon decided to investigate. Gordon became obsessed with getting photos of the objects, including one time where an entire school bus of students saw a UFO flying over a shopping mall as Gordon took photos. Eventually, Gordon snapped a few photos at extremely close range that allegedly verified these were not of this world. However, strange things began to happen to Gordon. He received a phone call from a man who claimed to be ex-military and warned him that his research could cost him everything and urged him to stop for the sake of his family. Gordon was also interviewed by two men in black suits who claimed to work for a magazine publication. Not long after the interview, Gordon realized that his photos were missing. He contacted the magazine for information, and they claimed to have never heard of him, much less commissioned an article about him. Not long after, Gordon suffered a heart attack, and his doctor warned him that his research and stress was jeopardizing his health. Gordon gave up the story and was never bothered again. and his son were salvaging logs on a fishing boat when they spied six donut-shaped crafts flying in the air above them. The crafts dropped molten waste onto the lake, which allegedly killed Dahl's dogs and injured his son. A few days later, after talking about the affairs with his boss and friends, he was visited by a mysterious man dressed in all black. The man urged him to not discuss the encounter. Not long after, he was also visited by several Air Force agents who were said to be on a mission to gather information 
Dahl's story definitely got the attention of various law enforcement agencies in the United States, leading the FBI to write a report on the matter. Not long after the encounter with the man in black, Dahl claimed that the whole thing was a hoax, but recanted years after having allegedly made the first confession under duress. In 1967, Robert Richardson of Toledo, Ohio struck an unknown object with his car. The object immediately vanished but left one small piece of evidence, a small lump of metal. When Richardson sent the metal to APRO, the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization, he soon found himself at the center of unwanted attention. Two men in black agents driving a black Cadillac turned up on his doorstep. The men did not show him identification and Richardson did not ask to see any. Their smart black suits were enough to imply that they were authority figures. It was not until the two men had left that Richardson began to think the meeting was suspicious. He had told no one about the experience other than his wife and the researchers at APRO. Furthermore, the Cadillac was a 1953 model but appeared to be in mint condition as if brand new with marked unregistered plates. One week later, two more men in black suits came to his door. This time, they asked him to hand over the metal artifact. When Richardson told him that he had already sent it to be analyzed, they said that he had better get it back and threatened to harm his wife if he did not. Richardson declined to hand over the metal, and luckily his wife was never harmed. The second set of men in black agents to speak to Richardson have been described as foreign, as have many men in black officers. They are quite typically, quote, olive-skinned, or possibly wearing makeup, and have an Asian or perhaps Native American type feature. Although this might not seem particularly unusual for government agents today, it certainly would have been odd back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s when the Men in Black were at their most active. Perhaps the strangest thing about the Men in Black would seem to be that their intimidation tactics rarely work although there may be cases in which people have been effectively silenced that we would never know about. Quite the opposite, in fact. Many witnesses of UFO-related phenomenon have come forward and shared their stories despite warnings by the men in black and would seem to have been urged by feelings of defiance. What's more, they are also able to add their men in black encounter to the story, convinced that the government is trying to cover up some dark secret. If they are, this would seem to be an ineffective way of doing so. Their failure to follow up on their threats is almost universal, and they rarely exercise the powers we know the actual U.S. government has at their command. This has caused some to claim that the Men in Black are in fact an anti-government organization, and that they use reverse psychology to encourage people to publicize their UFO encounters and further accuse the government of orchestrating a cover-up. Other theories, however, claim that an alien force is behind the Men in Black, even that Men in Black agents may be aliens in human form. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Cryptic Portal. Remember to like or follow us so you won't miss any of the new episodes we bring to you every Wednesday. We appreciate your support and ask that you please share and leave us a review. If you have a story you would like featured on an upcoming episode, you can submit to crypticportal at yahoo.com.
voices, narration, music and production by Mike and Marvin. Copyright Cryptic Portal 2022.